What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I am the one hosting today because Andre is very busy working on more Star Fox Zero related content, and Ash and I are getting ready to go to PAX East. So it's just the two of us as we try to record this a little bit earlier. We're actually recording this on Wednesday, 4.20. Blaze it, baby. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we were like, well, we still want to get a podcast out there, so let's just go ahead and record it now, just the two of us. So, uh, all right, party on without Andre being around. <laughs> well, now now we can just, you know, the two of us can just get really high and just have a great time without Andre. So oh, yeah, just take it easy. <laughs> I, I think that should become your new catchphrase. Just whether it's 420 or not, I just want you to say 420 Blaze It Baby every podcast from now on. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I sound so awkward when I try to be hip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the cool kids or whatever. I think I think most people do, though. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't like to admit it. I think most people do sound kind of awkward when they try to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I am not hip to the fly or whatever the young ones nice. say nowadays. Now, now you sound really old. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to go try to make myself sound older than I actually am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, how, you, how have you been, Ash? What have you been up to this past week? Well, four days. <laughs> yeah, honestly, just kind of get like you said, getting ready for PAX, um, working a lot, uh, getting, to, you know, I've, I've finished my taxes last week and uh, the, I found out the IRS messed something up, so I, had, I actually had to go back into my accountant's office on Monday to sign a few things. Oh, God. Um, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so just, you know, it's the usual stuff, uh, you know, working a lot and getting stuff ready, uh, for me to go away to PAX for a few days. And, uh, and yeah, I just picked up Ratchet and Clank, um, for 15 bucks because I had a, a Best Buy gift card and I can't wait to try it because not only do I like Ratchet and Clank, I keep hearing that the graphics are just maybe one of the best looking PS4 games ever. It is so, quite gorgeous. Yeah. Speaking of, how much have how much of the Ratchet and Clank series have you played? Are you a diehard fan? Have you played all? No, of them, or? I, I've always appreciated it, but I've never really. Got, I know for some reason I never got a chance to really play all of them. So I've only played. I played the original like just a, barely, and then I, I, I finished uh, Ratchet and Clank Future: Tools of Destruction. But I haven't played. I haven't played a crack in time, and I didn't play the, the kind of intercool. I think it's something about pirates. Oh, something. Quest for Booty. A quest for booty, yeah. So I, I didn't play the the sequels to uh, Tools of Destruction, but I love Tools of Destruction, and I like the original. I've always kind of just had a fondness for the series, even though I never really got super into it. It, I mean, it, it's a great series. It's actually, I people are surprised by this, but when I say I, Ratchet and Clank is my favorite gaming series out there. Even though Mario is my favorite, and I'm a big fan of Kingdom Hearts, Ratchet and Clank is just. There's something about the games that have just drawn me in time and time again where I have to get that their new game, well, new main story again. There's a few I haven't played yet. Uh, as soon as possible, play it. And I usually just have a blast with it. There's a, there's a few exceptions, but I, I do have a great time with the Ratchet & Clank series. And I got to say, I, I picked up Ratchet & Clank as well. And that's mainly what I've been doing other than working is just playing as much Ratchet & Clank as I can. And... It is so much fun, and especially if you played the original, because this is a remake of that. It's based on the right. movie, and it t- adds in the, the movie ele- uh, plot elements, uh, and uh, keeps the more modern uh, voice actors, of course. But it, it's like you go to the second level, and it is almost an exact recreation of the second level in the original Ratchet and Clank. And it's mind-blowing to go from the PS2 version to that and just see 
how beautiful it all is. And the game is gorgeous. I mean, the yeah. thing is, I can tell a slight difference when it goes from the movie cuts, uh, the stuff from the movie to more original uh, stuff for the game itself. But even just the gameplay and just going around and seeing everything it just looks so good. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to see it for myself because uh, back in November, I got a new TV. It's like a, it's like a 60-inch uh, LED you know, 1080p screen, Oof. and I, it's, it's made everything look amazing. So I can't even imagine how this is going to look. And, uh, you know, I figured I'm about to find – I'll probably finish Twilight Princess HD tonight. So, um, you know, I've, it took me like seven weeks, but I finally <laughs> finished it. And I figure I'll move on to Ratchet and Clank. Um, I still, even though, despite the fact that I reviewed it and played the hell out of it for the review, I cannot put down Bravely Second. Um, I am still playing that whenever I can just to kind of grind out levels and do some of the side stuff. And, um, yeah, I, that's really kind of what I've been up to. Um, I still, once in a while, I do dip into my Animal Crossing town once in a while, which is kind of a, you know, fun <laughs> diversion every every once in a while. And, um yeah, just trying to stay busy. And, of course, once I get back from PAX, I'll probably pick up Star Fox Zero. Um, it's, of course, it's coming out just as we're leaving, so there's really no <laughs> way for me to uh, pick it up before that. But uh, I am looking forward to taking it for a spin when I get back. Yeah, I, I mean, you haven't actually watched Andre's review at this point, but the way he described it, I mean, some people are like, I don't know now after watching this review. Me, I'm actually a little bit more convinced. I mean, there is some issues with it. Basically, he said by the time you get the controls comfortable, there's really not a whole lot to do because of the way the game is structured. Right. So that does create a bit of an issue with it. But it also is like, once it clicks, it is so much fun. And I I was watching some of his gameplay bits, and I've watched his stream a little bit that he did earlier today, and it all looked so much fun. And I, I, I do want to give the game a shot. And I even had fun with Guard. Like, I, I did put my, put it, posted my review of Guard, and I had to kind of go through that quickly because Andre was going to cover both initially but it's just too much to handle both the games at once so he sent it to me and Slacker. I yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> well he's trying to do a guide for it and apparently the medals right. are extremely hard yeah to find. Well, he, he's been talking to us about that about how hard the medals are to get apparently mm-hmm. I mean, we don't really know if there's anything that unlocks after you get all the medals right? we don't Correct? we don't yeah. because he said that apparently there's no secret boss ending this yet i mean unless the medals actually do unlock that but man it just sounds like they are a nightmare for him yeah so that's actually what he's probably working on right now but yeah i'm i i it looks fun guard uh zero i think will be a good time especially based off of guard who of course it's complete the completely different play style but i still had more fun with that than i thought i would you know you look at it it's just like oh god another tower defense game which i've never gotten into but all the multi all the multiple cameras and all the different things that you have to pay attention to it gets really hectic especially towards the end and uh, yeah it it, it, i had more fun with it than i thought i was like it always it, it it triggers that whole uh attitude where Crap, one more time. i got to try it out. And they have this replay fu- feature where they show where each of the uh, robots comes in. So you can sort of plan it out and decide where you set up your cameras. I mean, it's it's well thought out and fun to play. It's just not a very long or deep experience. And I think that's where right. the issues come in. Um, well, I'll, I'll, pro- I'll force myself to try it. I mean, I, I, I kind of kind of bristle at the mere mention of tower defense because I just – I've never – 
seriously never played a tower defense game that I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not a that's not a knock against tower defense games. They're great if you like them. I just personally don't. So I've never been able to find one that I've enjoyed, but I'm going to force myself to try Star Fox Guard just because I should. I'm getting it for free anyway, along with Zero, and I should try it. Maybe I'll have a good time, but I definitely, there's a high barrier of entry for me when it comes to tower defense games. You know, you might have more fun than you think, if only because yeah. you have your wife there. And that's true. She's going to be able to help spot with you, and I think that's going to cause a lot of fun. It's like, like you're trying to concentrate on one thing. She's like, "Camera twelve, camera twelve. There's somebody coming. You got to switch to camera twelve quick." Oh, okay. And so the two of you, I could really see kind of bonding over that and having that sort of pseudo multiplayer experience because you're working together. Yeah, maybe we will. I mean, she's already enjoyed um, kind of you know she she's kind of present when I watch some of Andre's Star Fox Zero footage, and you know she, she's a gamer, but she never really got into Star Fox necessarily. So she's kind of like. I don't think she wants to play it, but she's like, you know, who are these weird characters, these voices? Like, this is strangely hilarious and compelling because you've got these, you know, these animal wing, these wingmen who are just talking to you and saying all this crazy radio chatter. And it, this is kind of her first major exposure to Star Fox. So she's kind of like taking a slight interest, like, what in the world are you playing? <laughs> That's... Why is this frog with this annoying voice talking to you all the time? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Did you guys celebrate it all because today's uh, Mother 3's anniversary, 10th anniversary? Uh, no, we have not. I mean, she's still at work. So when we get home, maybe we'll like watch something Mother 3 related. But uh, I was hoping kind of that the, the celebration would be an announcement, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I, I, you know? Sadly, oddly quiet. Uh, but actually, leading into the news, might as well go ahead and switch to the news topics at this yeah. point. Uh, Federation Force, Nintendo has announced a release uh, date for Federation Force. Not Mother, Federation Force, which <laughs> everybody loves Federation Force. Oh, yes. See, people are excited for that. It is, it is so funny to me that we're not connected to Nintendo at all. We just cover their games. We talk about their games and we give them crap when we feel they deserve to be given crap and we yeah. praise them when we feel like they're being praised. And But even despite that, uh, people downvote this game to, to high hell. Like, oh, yeah. People just have anything associated with it is like, bomb it, bomb it, I hate it. it, it, it no, nothing. Kill it by association. <laughs> well, you know, and that just speaks to that, 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 you know, kind of epidemic of just gamer entitlement these days, where if it's not what, you know, uh, somebody wants, it's just, it's, it's not good enough. And I think it's silly. I mean, will it end up being the best game ever? No, there's no way. It's going it, to, it'll end up being, at, at best, probably good. Uh, but, and at worst, forgettable. But, you know, the fact that it's not exactly what people want out of Metroid and, and the, the way they're expressing that is downvoting every video like crazy. And then, you know, when I had that discussion with Andre about it after uh, playing it at WonderCon for a while, I got a few tweets and, and you know, YouTube comments in that video uh, talking about how, you know, we're sellouts and how I'm clearly being paid under the table <laughs> by Nintendo. And I God, wish. true. <laughs> I mean, so if that's true, somebody's intercepting those checks because I haven't seen a single one. And, you know, it's funny. I actually got the same thing. I got the same um, uh, accusation when I did that collaboration with GameSpot for Inside Fire Emblem Fates. And they're like, well, you got paid. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, I did get paid. But at the very beginning of the feature, we talk about how it's sponsored by Nintendo, like straight up. You can't miss it. So no, nothing uncouth going on. No, no money being exchanged under the table. But no, that's not what happened with Metroid Prime. We just I covered it, and I thought it was you know 
decently fun, and now suddenly, apparently, I'm getting these checks that I've never seen even one of. <laughs> because obviously, they go to you when they need to promote their game in any major way, right? Oh, clearly, yeah. They they just send me a check and just say, "Hey, say nice things about Metroid Prime." That's clearly what's going on. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> yeah. But the actual date that it's coming out is August nineteenth uh, right. in America. Actually, it's going to be a little bit later, I believe. I forget the exact dates for the other territories, but not until uh, early September for Europe, and who's getting it last? So within that. A two three week period uh, it's going to be releasing across different territories which is a lot later than the supposed late spring release date they had originally yeah. I gave service to like like look for the late spring and like okay that's that made me think like okay late May early June somewhere around there yeah nope August <laughs> did, did they say late spring at WonderCon or was it early summer I forget I feel like they said early summer at WonderCon, but maybe maybe they did, they said late spring. But yeah, either way, it's a little later than what I think people were expecting. Say kind of the same thing that happened with Smash 3DS. Remember, originally during that April Smash Direct last year, they were like Smash 3DS is coming out in summer, and then it came out in September, like <laughs> end of September or whatever. Still or, before still before the official beginning of fall, but that's a huge right. technicality. <laughs> well, but it was kind of like remember when uh, Nintendo released those uh, 3DS Ambassador titles? Like you know they'll be out before the end of the year, and they literally released them on like December 31st. Mm-hmm. Nintendo yeah. likes to push like those last <laughs> that last minute when they, you think it's going to like forget about it. It's like nope, here it is. We're yeah. technically correct. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm honestly of the opinion where I still want to give Federation Force a fair cha- uh, fair chance. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. Do I think it's going to be an awesome game? Probably not. It's going to be a potentially fun uh, co-op shooter on the 3DS, right. which already kind of limits its appeal because it's a shooter in the, in the freaking 3DS. And, you know... By wearing it's sort of it's sort of like comparative comparable to Star Fox Guard. Uh, there's not there's nothing about the gameplay that should connect it to Star Fox. It's just that they decided to we're going to put in a couple characters from Star Fox, so it's in the same universe, but it's not really in the, yeah, like, yeah. a Star Fox game. Um, and it's the same sort of thing with Federation Force. It really feels like where it's the same universe things are going on but it doesn't really it's not really a metroid game and people can't get their heads around this i'm not sure if they expect it like oh no the series is going to be exactly like federation force for the rest of these like this is the this is how the gameplay is going to be from now on (laughs) i mean you know i think it would have been well more well received if metroid hadn't been in such a state of kind of Stasis since Metroid Other M. I think I think it's the timing of it really. Yeah. I think if you know, I think if it had come out between the Prime games, back, you know, when the Prime games were being released, that would be one thing, you know. But the fact that it's the only game to come out like in the last five or six years bear- bearing the Metroid name, I think that's where part of the problem comes in. I mean, and you're exactly right because what yeah. people want is something to wash the taste of Other M out of their mouth. Yeah. Uh, Other M, I contend, is a fine game with a incredibly bad story. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think that's the, the major issue with it. But uh, they, people need something to get that idea of Other M in their, out of their heads because that's the last association they have with the series right now. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's all about timing. I mean, it's the same exact thing that happened when uh, that awful, awful bad box art Mega Man was shown off for Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Like, oh, God. If, if, if Mega Man was, if Mega Man games were being released on a normal basis, like, you know, they used to be, 
back when that happened, it would it would have been funny and people would have laughed about it and no big deal and you know would have rolled out people's backs. But the fact that that came right after Legend of Three had been canceled, you know, uh, right after Mega Man was you know not in Marvel vs. Capcom Three, all these awful things to have that then you know the timing was just terrible and people were pissed off. It really does have to do with timing, I think, more than anything. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. But yeah. uh, moving on to our next news topic, we have uh, Game Freak has apparently filed a trademark in Japan for what could potentially be the new Pokemon mascots for Sun and Moon. And all we have are names right now, which is Solgaleo or, Solgaleo or Solgaleo and Lunala. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious they're going to be the mascots just because of Sol yeah. and Luna. Uh, yeah. But what do you think of these names? Like, what did they bring any types of animals to your head? Because Sogaleo just makes me think of like a sun lion. But other people are pointing out like Galileo. Uh, I, yeah, I could hear that. I, I I kind of almost feel like these are going to be more like original creatures and not necessarily based on an existing animal. Mm-hmm. But but possibly, yeah, I, I could see the 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 Leo connection with lion. Um, you know, Lunala just makes me think of like Cresselia. Like I'm kind of wondering how much they're going to be able to distinguish this new Pokemon from Cresselia because <laughs> Cresselia is essentially already like a legendary moon-themed Pokemon. So it'll be interesting to see uh, Lunala's design. I actually, just because of the spelling, I kind of want to say Lunala because I think it's funnier because you got that, <laughs> those two A's. Um, but yeah, Lunala, it'll be interesting to see what, what uh, it looks like. I feel like with that kind of name, though, it'll have more of a feminine design. Yeah. Whereas definitely. maybe Sogaleo will have more of a masculine design, you know? Yeah, it might be a take on the whole Latios, Latias uh, dynamic, exactly, which would be interesting to have like more of a a less antagonistic relationship between the two legendaries. Which, yeah, that's true. Uh, which seems to be a trend recent uh, for a couple of the Pokemon games that have come out. But I mean, it's 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 pretty cool. It's one of those things where it's exciting to see what kind of Pokemon we're in for and what could happen. And really, it's it's I guess it all depends on what kind of legends they're going to go off of and mythology. Mm-hmm. Because they obviously base a lot of their Pokemon, legendary Pokemon, on mythology. Well, and, and they're also, I mean, I feel like they're kind of writing themselves into a corner. Because, I mean, already with Arceus, you had God. So, like, where do you go from God? And then they, they did with X and Y. Like, it's, they've, made, they've made it work. But I feel like, you know, the, the, the further they go, they're going to run out of legends and crazy, you know, mythology to base their Pokemon out of eventually. So, um, it'll be curious to see where they go with this. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm I, I hope we get to see some game, some footage soon, just because I, I feel like this is going to end up just being Pokemon X and Y with a new world and new Pokemon, but I hope I'm wrong. I want it to be more of a jump than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I, I want to see more of a refinement uh, to go on from there. I, I really hope that's going to be the case and seeing what they decide to do with it. But hopefully we'll get some details soon. I mean, the whole Korra Korra thing didn't really amount to much. Right. Um, but apparently next month, so May, the next core core is supposed to have some major details. Uh, so who knows? But again, it's one of those things like come E3, we're going to get some kind of announcement. And that's the thing that's, that's really – I've been really feeling lately. It's just there seems to be a drought of any major news for Nintendo throughout all of April. There's been nothing. Yeah. Well, I think I mean I think that's fairly normal. I mean, obviously the, the direct was you know the direct was uh, timed differently this year than it was last year because last year we had an April first direct. But I feel like you know this might be the calm before the storm. A because of E three and B because I, I still kind of feel like there could be one more pre E three direct. So they might be just kind of staying quiet because they're saving whatever they have to talk about 
for this up, you know, p- potentially upcoming direct prior to E3. That could be. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird. It's just long enough between the last direct and E3 that it, I feel like there should be one, but at the same time, it's just short enough to to where it might be overkill if they do it. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes both ways. I could see it happening, but at the same time, I almost couldn't see it happening. I could almost see a direct like saying a few of the games coming out, like doing a little bit more for Kirby, and then at the very end, showing the official name for the NX to get people used to it before they do fully reveal it at E3. Yeah. So because I'm yeah. I'm sick of NX rumors. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 sick of it, but at the same time, I I don't know. I we. It's not every every day that we get a new console announcement coming up soon. So I guess that's, I guess that's it, true. It is fun to get into the kind of rumor mill hype, but I agree that it, that it is kind of getting tiring, getting you know, hearing all these, you know, NX rumors and disagree about its power and about its lineup. And yeah potential well, launch titles it gets a little yeah it gets yeah. a little tiring and we'll actually get into that a little bit later spoilers for yeah. uh, my topic but uh, <laughs> anyway the next little bit of news is uh the xbox 360 has officially ceased production today uh the 20th so yeah the 360 is no longer new units are no longer being produced now of course it's still going to be sold they're going to sell out of the current stock but it's interesting that well apparently its lifetime is over yeah, which is uh, it's kind of uh, bittersweet. I mean, I still remember the morning I got my Xbox 360, and it is to date still the only Xbox family console I've ever owned. Um, and yeah, you know, I still remember when I got it, and it makes me feel well, a lot of things make me feel old these days. But <laughs> that makes me feel old certainly, just because God, I got the I got my 360 when I was in college, know, still in my yeah first year in college, I think. <laughs> I think so. Like it was, I remember people having the 360 and people talking about the PS3 coming up. Probably, probably my freshman year of college, which was around two thousand and four, five, yeah. somewhere. I was still living with my parents, and yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts, and it's actually as a couple other people have said, the three sixty. Like, while I never owned the console, and I kind of you know, you know, as you kind of do when you have a kind of feel kind of a rivalry, rivalry, I would laugh at the whole Red Ring of Death type of thing. The 360 did bring a lot of changes between the uh, online month, the yearly online access, freaking achievements. <laughs> That's probably their yeah. biggest contribution, and whatnot. And it really did push Microsoft as a major player in the console market. So, yeah, I mean, in today's context, it's easy to forget just how unattractive the PlayStation brand was, you know, back at the beginning of that generation. Because see, the PS3 was a little late to the party compared to the 360. And it was way overpriced, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, back then, unless you only wanted to have a Wii, the 360 was really your only option if you wanted to have, you know, at at the time, next generation graphics and online functionality. So, really, the 360 was poised. You know, it, it really released in a good position. And I think that's still why it had. It's really the only Xbox console I still ever owned because compared to the original Xbox, I had no interest in it compared to the GameCube and PS2, mm-hmm. which are also out at the time. And then same thing with Xbox One. I don't need it, you know, when I have a PS4 and a Wii U. But 360 was really the only option for people who wanted next generation gaming at the time. Yeah, it's the cheapest option and a better option, honestly, because the yeah. PS3 was pretty pathetic when it first came out. It was, it was kind of it's kind of funny how history repeats itself with Microsoft believing its own hubris. Uh, going yeah. into the Xbox One, and the same thing had happened to Sony when they were going into the PlayStation Three. They were so confident about their brand, it was like, of course, it comes with the new, the newest Blu-ray system, so people want to get Blu-rays just like they wanted to get DVDs, and right. it, it has all the more power and all this other stuff. So people are obviously going to want the the Sony brand, and that just wasn't the case. 
It's that it's that third console curse. It hit Nintendo with the N sixty four, and it hit Sony with the PS three, and now Microsoft with the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> that's actually I never noticed that before. That's actually kind yeah, of yeah. It's always it's always the third console. Like like the companies, the publishers get too big for their britches, and they get they feel like they they have some sort of automatic claim on their consumers' wallets just because their previous two consoles are such a success. And they get they overstep their bounds, and then that this happens. Yeah, and the same thing kind of happened with Sega as well. With the uh, their third exactly. console was the Saturn. Which, yeah, exactly. Which was a mess. Jeez. Yeah, so it's it's definitely there's some sort of some weird thing going on with with each third console. Mm-hmm. But I will say Sony did do a good job of turning the PlayStation Three around in the later years. Like oh, they sure did. Like they ended that generation unquestionably in a different place from where they started. Oh, and I mean, God, they yeah. really they did an incredible job, kind of switching things around in the middle of the generation to kind of in that generation with the PlayStation brand kind of becoming beloved again. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, we'll go on to our last news topic for the week, which is that fact that PlayStation 4 Neo details have emerged, which is basically the code internal Sony code name for the PlayStation 4.5. And I'm starting to wonder if this is Sony's hubris coming back with a vengeance one again, once again. I, I could not said it, have said it better myself. I completely agree with you. I am not getting a good vibe from this at all. No, because basically what happened is that uh, sources have spoken to Giant Bomb and uh, have decided – like they, they, they're the ones that revealed that it's being called the new Neo the, and the, it's going to retail at $400, which the Neo is going to have a 2.1 gigahertz CPU – a uh, an improved AMD GCN 36 CUs. I have no idea what these things mean. At yeah. 911 megahertz, and then its memory is being upgraded to a uh, the same GDDR5 with 218 gigabytes per second. So it's it's more powerful in a slight way. This isn't a huge jump. But it basically means they're going to be able to offer a higher or more stable frame rate, frame rate or other visual flourishes uh, that developers can choose to use. And actually, it's almost like they're being forced to use it because there's not going to be any Neo-specific games like the 3DS. They're like every yeah. single game that comes out is going to be compatible for the classic PlayStation 4, which is a good move. Which is a, which is a good move, I agree. Yeah, It's totally a good move. And one of the things that they can... Uh, but the Sony's also being uh, very strict with this, where, um, as quoted, Sony explicitly and repeatedly states that developers cannot offer exclusive gameplay options or special unlockables for Neo players. Uh, however, they can offer improved versions of existing features. Uh, and the example offered up is four-player local co-op, uh, uh, is a th- four-player uh, local co-op PS4 game could theoretically offer eight-player local co-op on Neo. Um, but uh, it's also the fact that th- the VR modes can't be locked to the Neo. And they can only... Basically, things can only run better. On but not the be Neo. exclusive to the Neo. Exactly. And Sony's right. being very specific with this. And it almost seems like they're forcing people to... Forcing com- uh, developers to support... The Neo, like if you make a PlayStation game, you need to have the option in there to have it run better on the Neo. Right. And even developers can choose whether to upgrade their older games to work better on the Neo as well, though I doubt that many people are going to do that. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's, uh, on one hand, Sony's going about this the right way in the sense that, yes, 
there should not be any exclusive Neo content. That you know that if you have a, a launch PS4, you should still be able to play the PS4 games you want to play. I think they're doing the right thing there. Mm-hmm. At the same time. Why even bother then? Because now they're just pissing off developers. I've been reading that developers are not happy. Yeah, I've heard that too. Neo. Yeah, they're they're not happy with having to develop for it. They're not having they're not happy with having to develop around it and having to plan for both SKUs. So why even bother? I mean, so, Sony's already unquestionably the winner of this generation. There's no question. Yeah, they are. They've won this generation. That's not going to change. Doesn't matter what Microsoft does. Doesn't matter what Nintendo does. They won this generation. So why why mess with that? Just continue doing what works and refine the PS4. Make it better, but don't release a whole new model in the middle of the generation that's going to polarize both consumers and developers. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, 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 the only good thing about this is that they're not making any exclusives. That's that's the only good idea that I yeah. see out of this. If they would, it was if it was just a question of developers wanted to support that. I could it would kind of work out better, but they also probably realized that they made it up to up to the developers. Very few would take advantage of the Neo, and we st- we'd have another uh, th- uh, new 3DS situation where nobody really takes advantage of the extra power that the new 3DS offers because so right. we just stick with the classic. So it, it, it's I can sort of understand the reasoning behind these decisions. But they're dumb decisions. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll say this. If, if, let's say, you know, by some miracle, the PS4 Neo has native support, like in slot load PS1, 2, and 3 games, that might make me seriously consider purchasing it. Like, mm-hmm. that might really do it. But beyond that, no, I'm not going to buy a whole new system in the middle of the generation for improved frame rate in some games. Mm-hmm. Just not going to happen. And I would say that Sony's only recently been able to back up their leadership like that's the thing it's like i really feel there hasn't been that many big titles that i need to get this generation so far this is honestly this has been the first year that that the ps4 and xbox one i feel have had a a, a sizable lineup of of must-own games and not not even all of them are out yet Mm -hmm. but like you know this year we're getting ratchet and clank we're getting uncharted 4 gears of war 4 things like that like the heavy hitters on both systems but it took so long to get here and now that we're here, I don't think the idea of purchasing another console mid-generation is going to go over well with people. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, last year was the beginning of the big momentum with like Bloodborne starting to take a shape, and now Dark Souls Three is out as well. So you got that hardcore right. audience being appealed to, and they are coming into their own finally. But again, as you said, it's just. It's it feels like odd timing. Just as they're finally getting momentum for their systems, here's a brand new one. Yeah, and I, and I feel like they're almost you know I feel like just just the association of the PS4 Neo relative to the PS4 is going to cheapen the the PS4 in in people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Like the PS4 is supposed to be this you know cutting edge cutting edge hardware next generation system you know the best specs in the market. But then now if they're going to release this PS4 Neo. It suddenly feels like the PS4 is outdated, and I don't think that's the message they want to be sending people. Yeah, no, it's 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 really not. I mean, I never really minded all the the slim models that they would put out and like condensing. It yeah, down. That, that's a little different. Exactly, it, it yeah. made sense if they just did it something like that. I'd understand because it a the core bit. hardware is still the same. Exactly, I just yeah, it it really. I, I mean, the best I can say is what I said at the beginning. It just seems like Sony's hubris is getting to them again, where they realize they're all of a sudden they're like. We're winning here. Let's. We're doing yeah. our best. We gotta strike while the iron's hot because people are gonna love this. They're gonna want to upgrade because this stuff is better. And we'll. I mean, I, I Sony supporting new ideas 
has a very rough track record. Yeah, when it comes to like new, new hardware, we'll see. We'll see how much they back their VR program. But you know, if you look at the Vita, the yeah. PlayStation TV, the you know various Sony the PSP Go, exactly, just all these different things from Sony, they don't really stick around with them too much. If they're not successful right out of the gate, it's pretty much well, we tried. Well, yeah, sure. and that's the thing is that they're already asking consumers to potentially spend four hundred bucks on the PSVR this fall. So, mm-hmm. you know, now if you combine the two, not that Neo is going to have any specific, you know, PS4 specific features, but combining the two, they're essentially asking people to spend upwards of a, you know almost a grand on new PlayStation hardware when they already have what they need. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you know I don't think it's going to you know it's not going to destroy the ps4 place in the market oh, no, i no. think i still think sony's going to win this generation handily but at the same time i do think it's going to damage their brand i think it's going to damage the brand and and kind of make people consumers see them in a slightly more untrustworthy light yeah now the one thing i've kind of wondered and there's no way to back this up whatsoever but do you think this is a potential response to the coming of the nx it could be, but I but I almost feel like Sony doesn't, and not not in a, in a demeaning or or insulting way, but I mm. almost feel like Nintendo or Sony doesn't even really consider Nintendo a direct competitor, just because Nintendo is going for a different, a completely different segment of the market than yeah. Sony. So I feel like it, it might it must not be a response to the NX because I don't think they're even worried about the NX, and why should they be? Because Nintendo's always kind of gone for their own segment. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it's not a response to the NX. It could be a response to the rumored Xbox One upgrade that apparently is being made at Microsoft. But, you know, I don't know. It's 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 weird. I, but I can imagine it's a knee-jerk response to the NX. Mm-hmm. It is it's sort of funny how, like, all of a sudden uh, both com- both Microsoft and Sony was, like, decided, was like, we want to upgrade. Wait, how did you guys both come to this decision separately? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not a fan of these, you know, even shorter console life cycles where we're getting mid-generational upgrades and that aren't just, you know, slimming down the hardware and making it a little more efficient. It's, they're actually hardware upgrades. Yeah. And and I'm just not a bit, you know, especially when you're asking people to spend as much money as they are on consoles and games. I get it. That's fine. But then that console you buy should last you for an entire console life cycle. Not, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having these life cycles Mm. just to introduce, you know, slightly better hardware. Yeah. I mean, look look at uh, PlayStation 3. That had one of the longest life cycles out there and I have more games for that system than any other system I own. Uh, Yeah. I, I think I have like maybe 60 games on that, on that system, which is insane to have, yeah, have that many, unless you're like a diehard collector. And I'm a, mild collector when it comes to games but yeah I just had I have so many just because I love that system and there is so many good games that came out because it had time to breathe and grow and all of a sudden there was all these games coming out that made me want to do more with the system and yeah. they're not doing that with PlayStation 4 it feels well and you have to consider the fact that you know even without hardware upgrades you know when you look at an entire console life cycle and this is true of every console Developers over the over the course of a console's life, they figure out how to take you know, make the most advantage or, or to take the most advantage and make the most out of each hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, over the over the you know years of a console's life. So if you compare something like Uncharted One to The Last of Us, that didn't require any hardware upgrades. You know, developers figured out how better to leverage the PS3's power. Mm-hmm. So over the course of the PS3's life cycle, we have these games that look next generation compared to early PS3 games. And that's true of the NES. It's true of the Super NES, everything, basically. So yeah. 
I feel like we're we're still not even at the point where developers have figured out how to make the most out of the current PS4 hardware. I mean, look at Ratchet and Clank compared to something like uh, like any PS4 launch title. Yeah, really. the uh, what's the one that came out? Knack. Yeah, Knack. So there you go. I mean, which looked nice, you know, when it came out. But even compared to uh, Ratchet and Clank, that looks so much better. So I feel like. And look at Final Fantasy XV, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, as we move on with the current PS4 hardware, like by the, whenever Kingdom Hearts 3 decides to come out, that's going to make PS4 launch titles look positively amateurish by comparison. And that you don't need a hardware upgrade for that. Nope. So we'll see how this all turns out, but I'm not exactly optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I, at, at most, I think people will ignore it. And at best, I feel like it's just going to kind of sour people on Sony's business strategies with the PlayStation brand. Yeah. But, uh, all right, well, that basically takes care of this week's news. We actually had some pretty big pieces of news despite uh, the shorter week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, well, let's move on to our topics, which, of course, come from our uh, Patreon backers. And this time I chose one from Mike Kruger, who asks, uh, what do you guys personally think about the influx of NX rumors, and are you tired of them? Do you think the impatience with Nintendo's reveal of it is going to cause a backlash if all the hyped-up rumors end up being false? And as we both mentioned earlier during the news segment, yes, I am tired of the rumors, I am tired of reporting on them, and I'm tired of... Like just like because there's nothing else, and like people want to know information on the NX, whether it might be true or not. I'm I'm stuck doing all these updates where (laughs) I all I can do is like, well, it might be true, it might not. We'll see, and then come back later. Well, this one turned out not to be true, so there we go. And I just feel like a jerk. I feel like an idiot because uh, you know I'll talk about this rumor and I'll have to I'll say. I don't buy it, but then you still have to come back on. It's like, okay, so this rumor that we decided to report on, it's not true. It, right. it, it drives me nuts. And it's part of the reason I just hate rumors and leaks so much because they're so easy to be fake anymore. And we're seeing that the, the only real constant one is that seems to be that has some backing to it is Emily Rogers, who had another new rumor coming out where she's basically saying that the software lineup across the entire life uh, lifetime of the NX is supposed to be great because Nintendo is changing focus to put out more games more quickly uh, and right. while st- still maintaining the quality, which is exciting stuff, but I'm tired of talking about the potential of the NX. I want to talk about the NX. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I'm, I'm a little more... I'm taking a, a bit more of a middle-of-the-road approach. I, I'm a pretty patient guy, so I just kind of take the rumors as they come. You know, I, they, they entertain me, and I'm like, okay, well, they'll either end up being true or not. It doesn't really bother me. It, I think it, that's kind of just human nature, especially in this industry, it, to speculate and and, you know kind of allow rumors to propagate about upcoming hardware. And, you know, it's not every day that we are leading up to the announcement of a new Nintendo console. So I find that hype cycle, because it's such a unique time, to be pretty pretty fun and to be pretty interesting. And, you know, we're not we're not gonna going to have rumors about upcoming Nintendo hardware to discuss for a few years after this. So, you know, I'm just kind of taking it for what it is. It's, you know, what, whatever the truth ends up being, the NX will be what it is, and these rumors can either, you know, they'll, they're either on point or maybe they're overselling it. Really, I think the problem lies with people's expectations because 
you know, we live in this age of, you know, hardcore gamer entitlement where, you know, these rumors will take on a life of their own, and then suddenly the rumors become the standard by which Nintendo is supposed to operate, which, of course, makes no sense. But, (laughs) you know, so suddenly... If the NX doesn't end up being exactly what rumor A, B, or C said it would be, then suddenly it's Nintendo's fault, and they didn't deliver, and it's disappointing, and all that ridiculous stuff. So I think Nintendo is going to face a challenge there, because they're probably going to be held to unrealistic expectations who think that for some reason these rumors should be the gold standard by which the NX should be judged. But, you know, if you're not one of those people who has those crazy expectations, I think it's perfectly possible to just enjoy the ride and just, you know, keep a realistic outlook about what the NX might or might not be and don't define that by, or don't let that be defined by, by whatever rumors come out beforehand. That's, you know, I think that's the way I would be if I didn't have to report on it. Sure. (laughs) I think my opinion changed because I have to report on it and all of a sudden pay more attention to this than just the the casual, oh, this rumor's out. Eh, Okay, that's kind of interesting. No, I have to actually invest now, which... I think takes it a little takes a little bit out of me, which is why I think I want more of the concrete info uh, about the NX because that'll be much more interesting to me because all of a sudden now I can speculate I can look at what I'm presented and speculate off of real facts rather than uh, fake controllers or fake details or whatever people are coming up with uh, at any given moment and. I think to answer his second question is uh, the impatience with Nintendo's reveal of the NX going to cause a backlash. I don't think it's going to cause a major black backlash, but there might still be some that follow that line of thought that you were talking about, where they expect yeah. the rumors, they expect the actual console to follow the rumors, even if they're completely fake and made up. So yeah. that, that all of a sudden the console was not as good, and that is. That can be devastating. Nintendo has to be very careful with that because so many people are going out. And it's, it, there's been, again, more rumors of them being on lockdown. Like Despite yeah. all of these, we still don't have any solid details on the power of the NX, what it's right. capable of, what the controller is going to be like, any of these things. Nintendo has done a great job of keeping things under a tight lid despite all the leaks and stuff about that we've heard otherwise uh, according to concerning Nintendo properties. The NX is still a complete mystery and I think that's going to work mostly to their advantage. If they can nail the reveal, they'll be in good shape. If they bungle it in any way, yeah. then all of a sudden that those comparisons are going to come out in full force. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you and, and you definitely are coming from a different uh, place than I am because you know, even though I've been, yeah, I mean, I'm involved and I know of all the NX rumors and we t- discuss them, you know, it's your full-time job to literally cover every single rumor that comes out, whereas I'm doing something else for my full-time job. So <laughs> I can see why you would be completely tired of them all. And uh, yeah, you know, but I have to say, I have been getting a few tweets from people who have already said, you know, Nintendo already messed up the NX reveal. They should have already revealed it by now because of all the rumors swirling around, and now they're just they're losing time and they're screwing up. And it's like, wait a minute. R- since when did rumors d- dictate a company's official reveal timeline? Exactly. Nintendo should stay the course, just like any hardware developer or any, any company should stay the course if they have a specific reveal timeline plan. They, they don't need to cage the whims of rumors and, and consumers. You are crazy if you think 
Nintendo is not spending all this time preparing for the NX and exactly. getting the NX ready and whatnot. It's one of those things where they, when they're ready to reveal it, they're going to reveal it and they're going to go all out with it. I fully expect that. It's either going to be two stages where they sort of like the Wii where they talk about the name and then show off the console or it's just going to be one big blowout where they, they have their presentation, walk out, take a sheet off a table and there's the NX and they say, this is the what Nintendo Next or whatever they decide to call it. and uh, As long as they don't call it the new Nintendo, I'll be oh fine. Oh, God, please no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do... I want to believe that Nintendo has learned their... learned from their major mistakes with the Wii U's reveal and, and overall marketing, such that when they reveal the NX, it'll be a complete reveal. There will be no confusion, no mixed messages. They're going to show us the console, the controller exactly what it's supposed to be, the whole package, and, and, and not leave any room at all, period, for misunderstanding or consumer confusion or anything like that. Because that's literally, honestly, that's what killed the Wii U out it of the is. game. I mean, the name didn't help, but more than that, I think it was the fact that they didn't reveal it properly. They, they just, no one knew what it was. They came out and they showed the gamepad. That's yeah. it. So many people, based on the name and just showing the gamepad, thought it was just an upgrade to the Wii, not an actual new console cycle for them. That was yeah. a major misstep. Yeah, completely agree. So I, I'm hoping they've learned from their lessons with that and that the NX reveal will, will go much more smoothly and that they're going, they'll reveal it completely and, and leave no room for error, for error or confusion. Yeah, and I have a feeling they have that potential. I think they really can nail this reveal because despite my exhaustion at the rumors... I still feel like Nintendo can truly deliver with the NX, and I'm really hoping for that. You know, I mean, it's not diminishing my hype for it; it's just making me ready for it. You know. <laughs> well, and, and you know, if you're going to participate in the rumor mill and and the overall rumor culture surrounding the NX or any new hardware, you have to do it responsibly. I mean, I mean that uh, there's that NeoGaf user 10K who is just basically exposed for regurgitating someone else's rumors who even said, hey, look, this is what I've heard, but I don't know it's for sure. I don't know if it's true, so take it with a grain of salt. And this guy was just regurgitating those that stuff and as fact, mm-hmm. as if like his own sources told him that. So you know, if you're going to participate in the rumor mill, you have to just do so responsibly and you know, do, do the research. Figure out what might be true. Figure out what's completely baseless and only speculation. And not just, you know, don't take it all as possible fact and then be angry at Nintendo when they, that's not what it actually ends up being. Mm. I think a lot of times it's just sort of like that attempt at 15 minutes of fame where all of a sudden yeah. the major news sites are putting their name out there. And that's a thrill for them, which yeah, exactly. I can get. I can totally understand that like all of a sudden it's a big deal. All of a sudden your name is being mentioned by uh, Destructoid, IGN, Kotaku, whoever – and, sure. you know, it, but it's still just ugh. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, but, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say on it. Uh, so basically, yeah, I am getting a little tired of the NX rumors, but it's not killing my hype for the machine at all. I'm just ready for the machine itself. But Me too. Yep. <laughs> but, well, uh, hopefully it'll have, to, it'll have to be E3. Like, we have to get a review. Oh, God, yeah. That, thank God yeah. for that, which is actually coming up very soon. It is shocking how soon E3 is. It's amazing how quickly it comes around every year, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that the case? Oh, boy. Yeah. But uh, what's your topic, Ash? 
So I actually I, I have uh, two topics that they're kind of related, so I kind of consolidated them into one. But they uh, so the first topic is from uh, Kurado Sutraifu. Uh, which is just cloud strife, but uh, you know, said in a kind of a Japanese way, which I love. <laughs> um, so uh, he says, "Do you think that senior creative staff uh, at Nintendo are holding back talent, creativity, and fresh ideas? There are countless reports of people like Mr. Miyamoto flipping the tea table mid-development, kind of like Paper Mario Sticker Star, or more recently where he wanted to make Splatoon part of the Mario franchise before the team had settled on using Inklings as playable characters. And related to that, we have a topic from Taylor Tucker who says." Uh, most, if not all, of Nintendo's recent games have emphasized gameplay at the expense of story. Is this solely due to Shigeru Miyamoto's influence as creative fellow, or do you believe there are more reasons for this trend? Can you all think of any games, either announced or unannounced, that could buck this trend? So, I kind of feel like these two things are related. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think we've talked about before in discussions, but I wanted to kind of extrapolate on it. And I'm sad that Andre is not here for this, because I know, I know, we've talked about it, the <laughs> two of us, and I know he has very strong opinions on this, but I absolutely believe that uh, for as much of a uh, from as much of a creative genius as Mr. Miyamoto has proven himself to be over the years, I do think that at this point he's actually doing more harm than good because he you know, I think he has a bit of an ego. I think it's clear that, you know, Miyamoto either feels or has been made to feel that he can come in and into any game in the middle of development, even ones that he's not personally involved in, and say, you know what, I don't like how this is going. You guys need to, you know, I know how to make games Here's what you need to do, and up in the tea table, as uh, Kurado was saying, and I think it's I think it's a problem. I think games like Paper Mario Sticker Star really have suffered um, because of Miyamoto's influence, and we know for a fact that Miyamoto didn't want there to be any sto- uh, focus on story in Sticker Star, and instead only wanted to use established Mushroom Kingdom characters, when we already know that one of the reasons people love the Thousand-Year Door is because it introduced so many new characters and kind of took place in a different area outside of the Mushroom Kingdom. So I do think that uh, you know Miyamoto's insistence on doing things his way has started to manifest itself in some not-so-great ways. Same thing with Star Fox Zero. Like I, I absolutely believe that when this game is released to the public, people are going to like it, but I think a lot of people are going to be like, why can't I just play this game like Star Fox 64. Why do I need to use these motion controls? You know, why is it forced? And I think there's something to that. We know that that's all Miyamoto. Yeah, I mean, going to the sticker star thing, I've actually talked about that kind of uh, influence with Chugga Conroy uh, several times. And one of the things he's told me is that it wasn't quite so much Miyamoto going up to the team and saying, no, get, don't get rid of all the new characters and all that stuff and just focus on the established characters and the Mushroom Kingdom. It was him suggesting, like, well, why not we be able to have the game work well, like focus on the gameplay so that even if you do focus on just the Mushroom Kingdom and the established characters, it's still a fun game. And the, the developer sort of misinterpreted that because of his standing mm. to being like, oh, well, that's what we should do, you know? Right. Not focus on new characters, but focus on these core things and make the game fun and get rid of the story, which is, uh, of course, what something that T- Taylor was talking about with the game. So it's almost like, it's not even just Miyamoto's ego, which may or may not be there, or his idea that he can do no wrong, but it's also team's maybe not being so confident in himself, they realizing that he is a legend and being like, well, he knows what he's talking about, so really we should do what he says. Well, and that's part of the problem, is that, is that because Miyamoto, by virtue of who he is, whether he means to or not, he has a really overbearing presence around these more junior developers. And I feel like Nintendo's younger, 
newer talent should have a chance to breathe and let and do what they want to do without having you know the the uh, the kind of anxiety that comes from working in the presence of a legend, basically, um, you know, kind of riding over them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wish you know it's, it almost seems like Nintendo's afraid of releasing anything more than or anything less than like this incredible game for any for any of their franchises. But I but I say you know. No, I, I don't. I think Nintendo employs talented enough developers anyway that there's very little chance of out and out failure. So you know, let I, I kind of wish Nintendo would show a little more confidence in the younger developers and let them have a little room to breathe and do their own thing. And they might actually you know? start allowing that kind of thing now after the success of Splatoon, which is mostly new guys and guys doing yeah. their own unique ideas, and it's a massive hit. So that has to be sort of a boost for Nintendo to realize, okay, maybe we can put more trust into these younger guys and their ideas and let them sort of have that Nintendo feel, but let them explore their own ideas and what works best for them. And I I really hope that Splatoon is sort of like a marker for Nintendo. It's like, okay, okay, we can branch out more if we want. We just need confidence in these in these concepts and yeah. hopefully that'll come into place because honestly I don't know if I don't think Splatoon I think Splatoon would still be fun but I think it's it, it the whole idea of the squids is what makes that game work it, it, at least half of why that game is so awesome is the overall vibe it has mm-hmm. that kind of early 90s cool kid vibe the, the, you know the the, the the inklings and just the overall visual design of it if it was just another Mario spinoff it wouldn't be half as memorable as it is despite the fantastic gameplay and I'm not I don't want to downplay how great the game actually is to play but if it was just Mario and Peach and Toad and Luigi and Donkey Kong running around with these ink squirting guns it wouldn't be as fun mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as interesting or as memorable so I really think Nintendo needs to take a cold, hard look at that and be like, okay, we don't need to let Miyamoto have a hand in everything, and we don't need to base everything on our existing IPs. And it is fun. It is okay to to let ourselves kind of try something different once in a while. And uh, you know, and again, I don't think no developer, including Miyamoto, ever sets out to mess things up or make a bad game. That's not what I'm saying. And I absolutely believe that no matter what Miyamoto does, he thinks he's doing in the best interest of whatever game he's you know commentating on that's fine but you know i really let him do his projects like i'm sure he's making pikmin 4 we basically know he is let him do that you know pikmin is one of his babies fine but you know let these other teams who are making these other games do their own thing is, is all i'm saying because again with Star Fox zero controls may not uh work at, work well for everybody fine but even with stuff like the story i see a lot of people not just myself a lot of people are a little disappointed that for, for all intents and purposes, this is just a rehash of Star Fox 64 with really no story to set itself apart. And not that Star Fox needs to be known for story, but, you know, it would be fun if they did something a little different than just repackage Star Fox 64 story, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have no doubt that that's all Miyamoto, you know, doing. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it, it, in some ways, it's great that they decide to focus more on gameplay to make the game fun. Right. But I think people also look to connect with these characters in different ways, which is why when they're able to, like in Kid Icarus Uprising, or in uh, some of the, I'm trying to think, I'm blanking on some of the other stories, or even Pikmin 4, people fell, like, people got attached to some of these characters in various ways. Like, I've heard people like each one of the main characters uh, 
in different ways. In Pikmin and, 3, yeah. yeah. And then, like, hate Louie because of his actions in that game. Um, and, you know, people, like, connect with them. They want to see them new stories. And same with Star Fox. I'd love to see the continuing story of Team Star Fox and what's going on with them. And I think that's where stories are important, at least for Nintendo, is that they want to... It's their chance to evolve these characters, not just their gameplay, but their the characters, and getting people to connect with them more and more so that they are interested in experiencing their stories, no matter what the gameplay might be. So they might have a, a, a big change to the overall gameplay of... Uh, an established franchise, but because they they're so invested in the characters, they might be a little bit more willing to see how that goes. It's right. not it's not a guarantee, of course, but it is. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, a balance needs to be found. I think. Well, and and I and with Star Fox, I could see why they chose to reboot it like they did. I mean, I kind of wish they didn't because I thought the weirdness that came with Star Fox Command. I mean, basically all the ridiculous different endings of Star Fox Command, they're really no better than the weirdness you'd find on like fanfiction.net. But that's kind of what made it endearing. It's like Nintendo never really got that weird with any of its other franchises. And to, to, be, to, to be fair, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. I mean, when you, when you release a game with like eight different endings and, and one, not one of them is considered canon, I could see why this was the right time for a reboot of Star Fox. But at the same time, it's like... I grew up with these characters. I don't want to see them reset yet again. I want to see what they're up to today. And, and you know, and like you said, it's it, people connect with these characters in different ways. And, uh, you know, I, like for, like you said, Kid Icarus Uprising, one of the reasons that game is probably my favorite 3DS game of all time is because of just how much personality and heart it has. And I don't think Uprising would be half as popular as it is if it didn't have the voice acting and the character development and the overall focus on story that it does because it's, it's a focus on story that's not normal for a Nintendo game. People weren't expecting that, and I think it went over really well because that's not what most Nintendo fans expect out of Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think the fact that you know Miyamoto, I'm, I'm sure because Sakurai is a respected developer in his own right, there was never any feeling that Miyamoto needed to ever step in. But the fact that he didn't, and Sakurai was allowed to do exactly what he wanted with that game, resulted in a game that Nintendo's not known for, and it's all the better for it. Yeah. it's it's. It, I think we've reached a point where we're ready to see the new guard sort of step in and see what yeah. they're capable of doing, and maybe have guidance, but don't make them feel as if they're locked into that guidance. Right. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you also got to look at it in the grand picture. Is like, okay, would this really work better? And I, I hope for Nintendo's future projects, they are looking into that because I, I uh, was watching a recent Digino Gaming on Mario Party and I found out the reason they they actually said the reason why they switched from the gameplay style of the first eight games to this gameplay style of Mario Party 9 and 10 were all on the same car and it's because the director uh, through no outside influence decided that he didn't like how players were just waiting around really doing nothing not having to pay attention when it was somebody else's turn and so he wanted everybody to try to be active. And I think – I don't think he – it's one of those things where I don't know if he realized like how people were playing this because I don't know about you, yeah. but I never stopped paying attention to the old Marty parties. No, not at all. So. And, and, and I mean you know, I think there's, there's room for experimentation in, in any long-running series and I, I don't begrudge them the fact that they experiment with that kind of different approach for Mario Party 9. But the fact that – there's no question that it wasn't well received among fans and it's not what fans wanted 
there's no harm in trying it, but now that they know they tried it and they know that people didn't want it, I'm a little annoyed that they went back to that approach for 10 because it's clear that people don't want that. Mm-hmm. Or even just attempt to just have both, you know? Right, right. And, you know, it's it's like I have no doubt that Metroid is going to see another game and probably sometime fairly soon. Like, Metroid's not dead, obviously, aside mm-hmm. from Federation Force. Like, I have no doubt there will be a new mainline Metroid game soon. But if they if they treat it as a reboot, I don't think people are going to be happy with that. People want to see what Samus is up to after Metroid Fusion. And if they take that approach with Metroid that they did with Star Fox and kind of reboot it for a new gener- generation, I don't think that's the right, right approach. And I hope that... Whatever needs to happen for that, you know, for that decision not to be made happens. And I don't know if that has to do with Miyamoto or anybody in the old guard, but they really, I, I think they need to look ahead instead of looking back constantly and, and trying to repackage and, and reboot these series. Yeah. I, Metroid has that sort of flavor that Mega Man does where the individual game, not a whole lot happens, but when you look at mm-hmm. the overall progression of the entire series, you got a pretty interesting saga and pretty interesting world going on. And, I want to see what happens to Samus after Fusion because that's that's a pretty huge shift in everything, you know. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a great example is Mega Man. I mean, Capcom could very the, like the classic series uh, lay dormant for over ten years between eight and nine, and Capcom could very easily and within their rights, instead of made Mega Man Nine, just made a kind of a generic Mega Man eight bit reboot and not not tied it to the series to the prior games at all but they were like you know what no let's have fun with this this is Mega Man 9 it takes place after Mega Man 8 and they even made fun of that fact of the game where Mega Man's been out of action for years and he's like don't worry I got this it's been a while but you know yeah I don't have my slide anymore yeah maybe I was you know de-weaponized but it's okay I'm I'm ready to jump back into action they had fun with it Mm -hmm. and they could have done that with Star Fox Zero I feel yeah I sort of take that Kid Icarus approach where they just sort of We've been out of business for a few years now, you know. Let's yeah. They they made fun of it. They kind of broke the fourth wall and said, "Well, it's been twenty five years or however however long it was." And they make fun of that within the, within the game universe. And I think they easily could have done that with Star Fox Zero. And you know, like bring one of the endings in Star Fox Command has Fox going into retirement and he teaches his kid uh, to be the next you know big Star Fox pilot. Do something with that, you know. Have Fox come out of retirement and fly with his kid. Is part of a new Star Fox team. Like that would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been and awesome. And you could still have you could still have it gameplay wise modeled after Star Fox sixty four, but maintain that continuity in the universe. Yeah, that's the that's the weird thing. I think that's the weirdest thing about Star Fox Zero is that people wanted the gameplay back there and there was no reason to set the story back. It was just right. uh keep you could keep things progressing in some way, but and still have that classic gameplay everybody wanted. There's no reason to go back to the old story. Which yeah. I don't know, but I mean, I never really saw people... I mean, Star Fox Adventures, yeah, no, very few people like that, but I didn't really see too many people complain about the fact that the Star Fox team and Star Fox Assault had kind of changed to reflect the continuity that had happened. Like, Peppy got too old, so he's kind of in an advisory role now, and Crystal replaced him. I didn't really see any major complaints about that. Yeah, and people love Crystal. They they were upset that she was she's not in Zero. Yeah, I mean, I am too. I'm like, you know, it's weird to have this character who's been established for so many games suddenly just removed completely. And, you know, oh, take all the furry connotations out, whatever. She was a fun character. I don't really see what the problem is. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where they've got, uh, again, they let the story evolve and a character became popular and they didn't take advantage of that after a while. So it's it, it, it's it's a weird situation and I think Nintendo desperately needs to find that balance because I, I I love gameplay but 
God, if a story can't hook me, you know, and keep yeah. me playing. No, I totally hear you. Continuity is such a tricky thing to nail in games, but when they do, when it's nailed, it really does matter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's why a lot of people were like, you know, Metroid Other M's story would work if it took place like before the original Metroid or even directly after the original Metroid where all of a sudden Samurai's having issues facing off against Ridley makes sense. Yeah, you can't you can't retcon the fact that you know she basically faced down Ridley in Super Metroid without saying a word and had no problems doing it. Yeah. And then suddenly she's going to have this P. Yeah, that that didn't work. I, I I do like the idea that they released a Metroid game where they wanted to explore Samus's character more, and I I applaud them for that. I just don't think they went about it the right way, and I hope that they don't take the negative reaction to. I hope they don't misunderstand the negative reaction to other M story as kind of like a you know message that fans don't want to see Samus explored at all. That's not the problem. The problem was that they retconned what had what you know had previously not been a problem for Samus into being like this major emotional emotionally traumatic thing. And those are two very separate things. People are not opposed to exploring Samus's past and, and her motivations as a character. They're they're opposed to crappy retcons, <laughs> yeah. Which is what Other M was. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake was placing that after Me- Super Metroid, and just so they could have their whole motherhood uh, theme yeah. in there, which wasn't necessary at no. all. So, I mean, I mean, uh, Super Metroid did a, a more than a good enough job, and and Metroid Fusion did more than enough uh, good enough job of establishing just how important the baby Metroid was to Samus. You didn't have to have her say, the baby, but the baby, over and over again for a 30-hour game. Yeah. Fusion did a great job of giving Samus character. Just those little moments while while you're traveling between areas where she's sort of having an inner monologue and you're like, okay, I kind of get Samus. I kind of get her personality. It's, It's interesting. And... You know that that's the thing we talk about. We the gameplay is usually pretty good with Nintendo games, but when you get people talking about stories, it's like you know help throw us a bone here. <laughs> Metroid Fusion, in my opinion, is like the gold standard for how to do character development right in a Metroid game. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that when and if another two D Metroid game comes out, that they kind of use that model for how to characterize Samus without going you know too overboard with it. Yeah, it's so yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's not really... Unfortunately, there's not really any solid answer that we can give to these topics. Uh, just sort of what we'd hope to to see them see or maybe evolve with over time. But it's, again, it's Nintendo, no guarantees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and kind of the second part of Taylor Tucker's question was, can we think of any games either announced or unannounced that could buck this trend? And at present, I really can't. I mean, Kid Icarus Uprising was that game, I think, for a lot of people. But in terms of what we know is coming up from Nintendo now, I don't think... I can't, I can't think of anything that would really buck that trend. I mean, I'm almost worried that Zelda Wii U, because of the reasons we previously discussed, is actually going to go in kind of the Star Fox Zero direction and downplay story. Not not reboot anything, but downplay story in favor of having, like, this, you know, Link who can be either a male or female. So... I can't think of anything that really would buck that trend that I that I could. I hope Color Splash does, but I don't think it will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all we have to really look forward to as far as continuing of established franchises, because you can, of course, got the story for Tokyo Mirage sessions coming up, but uh, I don't right. think Federation Force is going to change anything. Kirby is certainly not going to be the one to change anything. No, um, and 
Zelda, I mean, Zelda's going to be Zelda. That's that's all you can do. Yeah. You know, you'll get you'll get some kind of story that might tie into the Triforce, might be its own thing. Probably going to tie into the Triforce since it's a console game and a whole Ganondorf thing. Uh, so yeah, it's it's so you can't too much expect too much out there, much there even beyond just the whole being able to swap genders thing. Um, yeah, I, I would love it. Oh, go ahead. I think the only potential one is Color Splash, but until they show us a at least a single new character, it's yeah. not there's not a chance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would love it that whenever the next 3D Mario title is announced, let's say it ends up being Galaxy 3, I would love it if they surprised us and went away from the direction they established in Galaxy 2 and actually make it more like the first game where you have this surprisingly epic kind of emotional story kind of surrounding Mario's journey to the center of the universe where you have the, the the Rosalina storybook and you kind of learn her history. I would love... I thought they actually, for it being a Mario game, they successfully kind of made Mario's quest feel relevant and, and actually almost a little, you know, a little sad in a way. And I kind of hope they go back to that, you know, direction for a potential third Galaxy game and surprise us again by making the story in a Mario game not overbearing, but surprisingly poignant that was a cool surprise mm-hmm. and there's been other examples of that of nintendo pulling that off like i still remember metroid prime the metroid prime games and how you oh, yeah. read the data logs and actually see what the space pirates think of samus which yeah. i thought added a great bit of character to the universe oh god yeah to see how much they fear her oh god yeah. that was great like you felt it made you feel more badass <laughs> oh totally like like those things about how they, they were trying to re- reverse engineer samus's power suit and like in and you know to disastrous results and like you know they would kind of have these like you know broken the, these pirates with broken bones and you know disfigured bodies because they tried these horrible ways to uh, you know kind of do the copy mo- her morph ball <laughs> yeah that's and cool. that was, yeah it makes you feel badass I love that mm-hmm. it's great stuff just how advanced your suit is and everything else it's just uh, like that's the thing there are pockets of examples of that and. I don't. I don't think the. I don't think the trend's going to get bucked anytime soon. We're still going to have the same sort of thing. Maybe we'll slowly get more story-focused Nintendo games, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be a extremely gradual change. Right. No, I completely agree. So, but uh, I mean, that's basically all I. I mean, I guess we could keep going, but I bet I basically said my piece about that. No, topic. I think I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess that pretty much covers it for episode 12 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. So, again, if you guys want to listen to this three days early, uh, pledge to us on Patreon. You can uh, just do the $1 tier and uh, get a hold of this early. Or uh, if you don't want to, that's no big deal as well because you can just get it on Monday. And uh, we just want to thank you guys for listening as always. And until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.